every episode of Final Space. 23 fans, storyboard artists, producers, composers, animators, designers, voice actors. Welcome to Volume 3 of the Into Final Space Podcast, hosted by Gabe Jones. We're back with another episode of Into Final Space. Today we're hitting Final Space Season 2, Episode 9, The Closer You Get. Kitty Tomlin is our crew guest today. She's a retake animator we chatted with last season on the podcast. And we get to chat with a Fantrexian and friend of mine, our resident nerdcore rapper, Mr. Freezed. If you haven't checked him out, he's got some sweet Final Space raps, including a song he and I did together, uh, Night Falls, which is really cool. Uh, it's available on Spotify, YouTube, etc., all right, we got our music plugged. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? We are welcoming Freeze and Kitty via Skype today. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. Doing awesome. great, man. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see y'all too. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, we just want to do some quick introductions, starting with Kitty. Can you tell us what you do on Final Space? Yes, I am a retake animator. Um, uh, like, like my friend uh, Marissa, who is my lead, always says retake animators are the last line of defense before a show airs. So we will fix anything from like, oh, that blink doesn't look right to changing a scene entirely from the beginning. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And my special guest, Fanchexian, uh, good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> you likely know him as the Final Space guy that raps. Um, <laughs> it's Freeze, so you want to introduce yourself, sir? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm Freeze. I'm a um, nerdcore rapper, voice actor, kind of general man about the internet. Um, you probably know me from an EP I did called The Fantrexian. What did I end up calling it? The Ventrex? Trexian Collection. Oh my gosh, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure anybody listening would be would be more likely to know the name of it than me. Um uh so I did four four raps about Final Space, um, about the first two seasons. And when there's another season, I'll do some more. Um, and those are pretty well received. And because the fan check, you know, community is extremely nice, they seem to like having me around. So that's that's me. Yay. Awesome. Yeah, and they're great songs. Uh, especially one called Night Falls. <laughs> yeah, that anyway. one had a crazy, <laughs> crazy good singer on it. I don't remember who it was, but uh, somebody somebody was on that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, anyway, um, as always for this season, I am taking the backseat. Uh, I'll be a backseat driver every once in a while. I'll throw out some questions here and there. But uh, yeah, it's up to you, man. Go ahead and uh, throw out your first question. Okay, so... Kitty, I've been really excited to talk to you. Um, as, like as soon as I um, read your bio on Twitter, I was like, "This is somebody I have stuff in common with, and that I want to like know more about." So, your Twitter bio says that you love coffee and old rock music. Um, I'm specifically interested to compare notes or like get your thoughts on how either or both of those things create to the creative process, like specifically your creative process and workflow, and like. If those things are removed out of the equation, like how how does that interrupt your day? Like what what's the uh, what's the impact that those two things have? 
Okay. Well, coffee is my lifeblood, basically. I am a very (laughs) sleepy person. So if I don't have my coffee, I will take a lot of naps and I will not be as creatively like, you know, spurred to draw or animate or do anything during that day. Um, I usually have about two cups at the most. I used to have eight cups of coffee a day. Please (laughs) never do that. You'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, never do that. I couldn't control my arms. It was very weird. Um, that was, <laughs> I know it was when I was in college. I pulled so many all-nighters. That, uh, that's a different that. story. Um, for music, I listen to a lot of genres. I will listen to basically like anything. I love. I just love like exposing myself to different types of music. Like no matter what genre that is, my favorite is classic rock. Because like you know, I think like a lot of classic rock fans they like grew up with like a parent figure or an older sibling being like, listen to this band, you'll like it. So. That's uh, why I like it. And um, when animating, music really helps me because I hear rhythms in my head when I'm animating. And sometimes it goes with a song I'm listening to, sometimes it doesn't. And I'll kind of take the liberties to have it kind of dance around a little bit. That's but, really yeah. cool. Thank <clears throat> you. I, uh, I know I watch a lot of animated music videos. Like that's one of my favorite things. And I always think yes. that, you know, animation is so much about, um, you know, timing and, and rhythm and like knowing, you know, how like natural movement fits into, um, you know, increments of time. And so I think there's a lot of, a lot of similarities. Like animation is almost like dance in a way. I feel like in the way it that it, it goes with music. It so is. Um, yeah. So as uh, my second question is, as a retake animator, um, do you consider that to be more of a creative job or kind of you're there as a critical eye? Like, and is, is there a difference between the two or do they work together? I think they work together. I, th- I would say uh, as a retake animator, we are creators with critical eyes. Um, we have to be good at both finding like weird mistakes in the animation, whether it be like a pop in like an arm or like a lip sync sometimes there's a voice change and you have to like re-lip sync all of the characters like words which like that's like a big note in a lot of um a lot of the animated scenes i've done and like a lot of shows have done and sometimes um you have to go back to the storyboarding stage where you just are given the boards and they're like all right animate the characters what are they gonna do and you of course you use the boards as a guide but there's a lot of creative liberties to be taken with that and so sometimes you're improvising being like all right what's this character going to do and then sometimes it's just like you're like searching and like squinting at the screen being like where's the mistakes let me find you (laughs) you know I feel that. I feel that. Um, my, yeah. my profession is I'm a copy editor. And so I feel like there's definite similarities there. Kind of like um, maybe like what you do with animation, I do with, with words and, uh, and you know, grammar. Um, oh, sure. is there, do you have any, I, this is kind of just not on my list, but I, I'm just <laughs> now curious. Do you have any like moments you can think of where there was just like such a glaring mistake that would have been hilarious if it ha- would have made it or just like devastating if it would have made it? Yes. Okay. Um, So sometimes you have to change the length of a scene and there will be like the the rig characters. This has been for almost every show I've been on. They'll go past the end of the scene and sometimes like they're not 
connected properly the way they are like in the scene so i've had scenes where you will go past the end when you're supposed to lengthen the scene or cut it and then the character will start spinning around and like blink (laughs) weird and then their eyes won't match their face or it'll be like a sad scene and suddenly they will look very happy like (laughs) it's very silly um Almost every production I've been on, if there's a rig problem, we will screen cap it and send it to like the general chat and be like, look what I found today, you know? <laughs> that's so great. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think I think that's that's kind of a common theme in, in not just animation, but film in general, right? Is that like the oh, yeah. audience sees this little frame and then like whatever's going on outside of here could be complete chaos. Um, I think oh, of absolutely. that like... I think of that like famous picture from the shooting of, I think it was Star Wars four where it's like, you see like they're out in the desert, you know, and they're all, it's like Obi-Wan's there and Luke. And then there's just like off to the side, there's the sound guy with his like big boom. And he's wearing these little pink shorts. <laughs> and I'm like, if that camera just pans slightly, Star Wars would be such a different movie, you know? Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's just something interesting to think about that maybe people don't, don't consider too much. Um, it's just like, what goes on outside of the confines of of like exactly what they see oh for sure yeah so really um as a retake animator it's not just that you're only correcting mistakes like sometimes you're kind of wholesale just animating stuff it sounds like oh yes oh definitely animation is a very big part of retakes which is i guess why we have animator in our title because we're not just like oh add this blink it's like gotta add this blink and this expression change and move their arm and maybe their body and it it's varying levels on what scene you're given but yeah definitely for sure well yeah and sorry if you don't mind if i butt in here <laughs> uh, you're not allowed um, to talk this is your podcast yeah <laughs> Yeah, you you talked about a little bit um, like it, it's different different degrees of you know what you get back and what you have to go back and fix. Um, what's the kind of pressure like when you do have those scenes that you have to go all the way back to the boards for? Because of course, you know they've been through boards, they've been through you know getting colors and then going off the jam field and getting animated and coming back just to be told, oh, well, you need to do the whole thing again by yourself. Um, <laughs> what's 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 kind of that pressure like? Usually when we have to go back to boards on any production I've been on, it's usually because a scene is added. Um, So it's like, you know what, I want to add a shot of this person reacting to what someone said or something of the like. And so it will depend on the level of like urgency i guess of if it has a lot of walk cycles or if it's an action scene then it's like all right you got to prioritize this you really got to like put your like blood sweat and tears into this shot make sure it looks great and then sometimes it'll just be like oh this person's like shocked at what something someone says so it'd be a shoulder up shot still highest priority for sure but um you won't have to like get the entire like body in there and you have to work on the face instead um, yeah, I was just thinking about, um, I think you said now I could be wrong here, but I think you said that you worked on the, the vat of acid episode for Rick and Morty. Is that true? I did. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if, um, or just kind of like in general, what's it like to work with a show? Cause final space has this too, um, where there are so many like weird and kind of gross elements that sometimes show up. <laughs> 
with like you know people think animation it's like i'm gonna do like a guy walking across the screen or like a glass of water but no it's like somebody's entire insides or like here's this goop from a melted person like what what is that like how does that feel to animate that is that does that feel gross to do or is it kind of like clinical it's so much fun (laughs) (laughs) my favorite thing to animate is blood um and i actually animated a little bit of it in final space um the part oh god i'm mixing my episodes up in my head but the part where Cheryl gets like stabbed with the um, with Nightfall's staff, and yeah. then Gary has to pull it out. I did like the little like chain of mm. blood that like follows it. It was so wow. much fun. But um, <laughs> to answer your question about the gross stuff, I don't really know how many people enjoy it besides me. Um, a lot of people see effects as a chore because like you really gotta like research and stuff. But um, I think what initiated me into doing the gross stuff was my first job ever in 2015. I was given the one shot in the animatic I did not want to do because it was gross. And um, I won't go into like detail, but like I was like, oh, I wonder who's going to get that scene. And then I did. (laughs) And (laughs) so it always is, isn't it? As life goes. Yeah. So I, it was my first job, so I didn't want to be like, I don't want to do this scene. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it and it's going to be great and I'm going to love it no matter how many times I have to stare at it. So that kind of became my thing. I will animate all the gross stuff like vomit and blood and stuff. And I love it. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've worked on two very good shows for that, I would say. Yes, for sure. Um, so kind of moving into discussion of the, um, of, of the episode that we're talking about. Um, so the closer you get is an episode that has a lot of dark, um, kind of psychological, almost like paranormal. I would describe them as, as psychedelic elements, um, kind of similar to, you know, the kind of like, uh, little like plot twists and like whoa moments that you would see in something like Star Wars Five, you know, like Luke going into the cave and like you're not sure what's real or not. Um, yeah. So, uh, what do you think it is that like in a show that is so grounded as Final Space, um, you know, that has so much as Olin describes it, heart, and um, and and you know that so many people can relate to these characters and like on a very kind of grounded down to earth level um what do you think is the like significance or or impact of having those really kind of cerebral like psychological scenes as well i think um as you say final space is very grounded i think it definitely grounds the characters as well um seeing them not just kind of through like happy-go-lucky moments seeing them go through strife and terror and fear and all kinds of emotion helps them like become more like multifaceted and more relatable and it definitely like helps you sympathize for them when it's like oh geez like gary has to climb up this like corpse mountain (laughs) and although he's like making (laughs) jokes about it the whole time and he's like oh oh god what is this like you're kind of like oh i have not been there but i would not want to be there and i sympathize with like the fact that like he has to do something he really doesn't want to do stuff like that corpse mountain is of course everyone's favorite disneyland attraction yeah, <laughs> never, I never leave the park without going up corpse mountain oh definitely <clears throat> yeah it's definitely such a uh i mean it, the that whole the whole scene is you know 
really cool to watch, but at the same time, just kind of gives you that, just that that feeling that everyone hates of just that. Mm, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's something that I um that I've been like trying to figure out myself lately with a lot of the shows that I've been watching because I'm the kind of person where like get a lot of secondhand embarrassment from things, and um you know. I think even from like episode one, there was a lot of that in final space, you know, where you're kind of just like, Oh, Oh buddy. Oh, you know? Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see like how those feelings level up from being kind of like, Oh wow. I like, this is awkward to, Oh, this is cataclysmic, you know, but still be inside the mind of somebody like Gary, who's this, you know, goofy guy with a lot of heart. Who's just been like put into this situation. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, so I I wanted to do a little bit of speculation to the future. So I'm not actually looking for like solid answers here, obviously. But just oh, yeah, yeah, you know what what like think about or or kind of like go into season two with like a mindset of of like I wonder if. Um, <laughs> but I was I was thinking about um how Olin mentioned that season three of final space, he said it'll have a lot of dark elements, maybe even like horror themes. Um, and when I think about um, the closer you get, I think like that's, that's kind of how I feel like what I, what I feel like he means, you know, is those like, you know, getting like getting possessed and like these difficult situations where they're pitted against each other in ways you wouldn't imagine. Um, and like, you know, this kind of dark, almost, you know, spiritual energy. Um, what, what do you think what do you think might shake out to be the the balance between the obvious like high comedy moments and um and kind of dark you know horror or um kind of fear elements you know where how do those two things balance and do they do they feed each other or do they are they at odds with each other cool question i like that um i'll be honest about season 3 i do not know i know as much as all of you know um, since I am on the post-production team, I, um, and, and I'm not on the pre-production team, I don't, I wouldn't know what everything would be until I actually start my retakes. Um, so it, let's speculate. This is going to be fun. Okay. Um, so I thought it was like really cool that there was going to be like potentially horror elements in Final Space. Cause I was like trying to visualize what that would be. And as I probably should have thought of the closer you get, I thought of the scene where like um, Clarence is fighting all the Kevins and there's a scene where he like backs into the dark hallway and turns around. And I was like, yes. That's that's just (laughs) straight up horror framing in that, in that shot. Oh, that was such a good shot. Like I really want to know. Yeah. I really want to know who um, someone at Jamfield did that perfectly. Like, someone at Jamfield can animate Clarence so dang well and it shows <laughs> <laughs> but um oh, oh sorry <laughs> oh no uh I mean you go ahead I had like one little thing but if you're still um oh, okay. so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay <laughs> so I think having there's like this quote that's like without darkness there is no light or without light there is no darkness so I kind of feel like the drama and the humor in final space go hand in hand like that where if you can't like sympathize with the character's dark moments the happy moments wouldn't seem as powerful 
or as like well received i'd say as say like if there was like no strife and everyone was like what a great day forever you know and um that's a that's my thought on it yeah it's kind of interesting to see you know because you know like how much Olin Rogers tends to put of himself into things and not just of his own, you know, of his own personal life experience growing up in Tennessee, but like of kind of his his feelings and his emotions and his, you know, relationships. Um, it is it is interesting to think about the, the times, you know, in in my life or I'm sure in, in a lot of people's lives where we've had moments of great tragedy that just had a, like moments of great comedy mixed in, you know, they're not. In, in real life, they're not separated. Like, I, I can't tell you the number of times when I've been at a funeral where everybody is obviously mourning, but like they're telling stories about somebody and like laughing, and um, you know, even even just like hysterically laughing, um, and just the highs and the lows that can occur in real life. Um, I think you don't often see that represented to that extent in in media. And I know it's been said a lot, but I feel like Final Space is a, is a unique show because of that. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Gabe, how how scary do you think things will get? I mean, what what do you think is the is the most terrifying? Do you do you tend to uh, watch like horror stuff normally? So I'll be honest with you, I'm. So from a writing perspective, I really enjoy horror just because um, the amount that someone can mess with your head from visual media is mind-blowing um that being said i hate what it does to me oh yeah because um, it'll 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 jack up my head um and i'm really interested to see how they play with that next season especially with like knowing Mimba jack and seeing the episodes he's done so far and knowing that <laughs> that he's had a lot of input on next season um i'm <laughs> frankly a little scared to see to see what comes out of it um but yeah it should be exciting for sure why do you think it is that so many comedians or people who have been kind of stereotyped as comedians or had a career as comedians um are so drawn to horror i mean we see like john krasinski um uh did quiet place jordan peele of course has, has made a huge shift into really well-received horror movies now olin rogers who you know got his start in like balloon shop doing, you know, like silly sketches with his friends and like moved on to doing, telling funny stories, um, including, you know, like a little like ghost story here and there. Um, but now he kind of like wants to explore this darker side. What do you, what do you think that is about the comedic mind? Is it just, is it just that comedians are so naturally twisted and it eventually has to come out? <laughs> <laughs> yes, to a degree. It's, 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 it's an interesting juxtaposition almost because you see them in these roles for so long of laughing along and telling these funny jokes and stories and really great punchlines um and then they just kind of pop out with these really <laughs> frightening things to watch yeah um and I, i'm not sure where it comes from i'm i write a lot but i'm not naturally funny um which for some reason I, I gear more towards that kind of horror, darker psychological type stuff when I'm, when I'm either doing screenwriting or, or prose. Um, 
So I'm wondering if there's like an opposite effect on that end because I'd love to write some funny stuff. So if that could like originate later in my writing. That'd yeah, be yeah, maybe perfect. maybe it's just an eventual. <laughs> a comedian has like a heel turn, you know, that they have to do. Or yeah. like I'm the bad guy now. I'm writing horror. Maybe every like horror writer has a thing where they just turn and become a comedian. Become right? Yeah, <laughs> that's almost scarier. I have to say <laughs> my perspective. Um, yeah. So. Um, I think I think there there has been a trend just in the media in general towards mixing horror and comedy. Like I've seen that a bit, you know, in in both it movies that's pretty that's kind of prevalent. Um and then in in some other like in Stranger Things there's a lot of comedy, you know, but it is it's it's technically horror, I'd say. Um it's like sci-fi horror. Um and I think that's been really well received. So I feel like if if season 3 is is something like a, a mix of extreme highs and extreme lows of of um, comedy and horror. I, I think that that would... I almost wonder if that will be a thing that helps to catapult it into a, you know, into a larger audience. Just more people going, oh, okay, this is something that I like already, you know, mixed with what already makes Final Space so great. Um, Kitty, I have some kind of, like, final things that I, I didn't really have a way to work them into questions, <laughs> but I just wanted to bring up um, cause you, you did talk about, um, you know, that you're into so many kinds of music and I'd kind of pick that up from, um, you know, your, your, your tweets and whatnot. Um, you've talked about jazz, um, nineties rock, classic rock, panic at the, panic at the disco and Paramore, which like really hit my like emo heart. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely one of those, is it like, I hear like a high G on the piano and I'm singing my chemical romance. <laughs> so, um, uh, so you have just like a really wide span in music. Um, and I've, I've been playing music since I was five or six. So I've, it's something that's really ingrained in me. Um, something that I've noticed uh, as I've gone online and, and you know, b- been involved in, in online music communities is that um, visual artists and musicians tend to share this kind of sim- symbiotic relationship um, in the way that they inspire and support one another. So why do you, what do you think it is that makes these two art forms so intertwined and to, like how much do you think they rely on each other like if one were to go away what would the impact on the other one be oh cool okay um so visual art and music are definitely intertwined um like i kind of said like somewhere in the beginning like i see rhythms and animation and i think that is because i used to dance for a long time so uh i kind of like feel like like upsurges in music and how they should the characters should like move like this or the effects should move like this um also i've come to realize a lot of musicians or some or like some i really like they also dabble in visual art and then there's some visual artists that dabble in music um i myself i dabble in bass guitar i'm not very good but i plan to be like good one day i don't know if Um, you can see my uh my bass on the wall back there but i do and i was like so hype i was like yes it is probably Um, my second favorite instrument so yeah i'm excited about that what's your favorite uh tenor sax yes that's awesome (laughs) it's just the smoothest instrument oh yeah definitely um but like one of my favorite musicians, if if you know me in real life or I guess online, I haven't showed it a lot on Twitter though. I'm obsessed with the Who, and yeah, um, I think I favorite, saw that on your Instagram. 
Yeah, my favorite musician ever is John Entwistle, and he actually, before he died, did visual art shows where he drew caricatures of other musicians and toured with that. And I like when I learned that, I was like, oh my god, yes! He also draws. That is so cool. So there is definitely a symbiotic relationship between visual art and music, and a lot of it, it's like kind of almost blurred. A lot of it crosses over, or lots of overlap, and I think that's really cool. And if one existed, I feel like it would almost be impossible for the other one to exist because they rely on each other so much. Yeah, um, I think as as somebody who just can't draw, like I acknowledge it's because I have not taken the time to learn, um, but like I just can't draw. I'm I'm always really fascinated by like any art whatsoever. I love art, um, and the artists are like the magicians of the universe. I, I'm always like. How does that work? Like what what's the, what's like the mental process that occurs to like to create that? So, um, yeah, any any time that I any art whatsoever, I'm just like thoroughly impressed and blown away. Um, and I, I I do think that um, as I was mentioning earlier, I really like uh, animated music videos. I don't know if you've seen the um, music video for or if either of you have seen the music video for um, Starlight Brigade. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so like, um, I I, can, I cannot remember the name of the um, animators that made that. It's like the round, uh, like round Knights of the light, light table. table. Light table. Knights. There we go. Yeah. I was like, it's not round table. Knights of the light <laughs> table. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some of my favorite animators. Um, and I think it's just really like really cool to see how. Um, and I've also got some friends with um, synesthesia, and it to me like. Animation, particularly animation with music, seems to be like a um, like a synesthetic. (laughs) No, what's what am I thinking of? Synthetic. That's the word. Synthetic synesthesia. uh, You know, where you're like creating the experience. um, You know, visually, um, tangibly for somebody that somebody else might might have in their head. So I've I've always found that really interesting as well. Um, Yeah. Well, that's that's all the questions I have. Um, It's awesome talking to you i've really really enjoyed um hearing all of your thoughts on things oh i did have one more thing that i just yes. thought was so great that I, I could not neglect to talk about it um you tweeted a while ago about how you wanted to be a femme fatale darth vader <laughs> what is your what's your ideal costume for a femme fatale darth vader okay so that was inspired by a dream I had where I was just a femme fatale Darth Vader and I was like, I love Darth Vader. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in a dream. And um, I love wearing like really like like knee-high boots and stuff. So like it would definitely include that. And I would kind of think like it would be, I know like Darth Vader is really tall and I am really short. So it would be kind of more tailored to my short height, but it would be like really sleek. and like shiny and dark because I don't wear any colors. I kind of just wear black and gray. So this totally like fits my like taste and style. And in the dream, I was wearing green eyeshadow, which honestly I was like, why green? It should be red. (laughs) And so I would wear red eyeshadow to go with my awesome lightsaber. And I thought it'd be cool to maybe have like dual lightsabers or something. Um, But yeah, I've always loved like the Sith side, like, or bounty hunters. And so like, I've met Darth Vader at Disneyland and I've been just too nervous to speak. Cause I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love him. So 
<laughs> yeah, that was that's so cool that you thought about that. Like that was a, it was a cool time and the inspiration of my creative life. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, as soon as I read it, it was just like a mental image that stuck with me, and I was like, I I need to get like the full thought on this because that's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I hope, I hope uh, somebody, I hope somebody out there will, will draw some cool fan art of a femme fatale Darth Vader. I might, I might do it. I had a friend that was like, you need to draw it. And I was like, I should. <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the perfect note to end on. So thank you so much to the both of you for coming on the podcast and chatting with me today. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and sitting down with Freeze and me as we chatted with Kitty. Make sure you hop on over to the Into Final Space Discord server to chat with us after you give this episode a listen. And go give Nightfalls by Freeze and Gabe Jones a listen anywhere you get your music. For more on the podcast, follow at Into Final Space on Instagram and Twitter, and give me a follow at Gabriel W. Jones on Instagram and Twitter as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Into Final Space. Thanks, guys.